This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 799, oh my gosh, with Christy Fisher and Kelly Winkler. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 799. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Kelly Winkler and Christy Fisher are both moms, former classroom teachers, yoga teachers, kids yoga teachers, and trainers for kidding around yoga. Both have extensive experience working with children in various capacities and are now very passionate about sharing what they have learned with families and educators. In their podcast, Mindful Conversations with Kay, Christy and Kelly share research-based tools and strategies to help increase mindfulness, self-awareness, connection, self-regulation, and peace in the home and the classroom. In these fun and insightful conversations, they take a deep dive into all things around yoga and mindfulness and kids. I also used to work with Christy. So Christy and I go way back. We were personal trainers together at the same gym in like uh, 2004-ish maybe. And oh, the stories we could tell about working in that gym. You've heard me talk about working for these horrendous people a few times. 
that was the gym where Christy and I got to work together. <laughs> and Christy is an amazing, amazing gift that came out of that working experience. The people that I met were there were incredible. And I'm lucky enough to be in touch with some of them still. And Christy's one of them. So Christy and I have kept in touch over the years as we've transitioned through fitness careers and taken amazing things from those fitness careers to transition into other things. And so Christy's definitely still more in that wellness and fitness space than I am, or in that, I guess, body space than I am. And I love, love, love what she's doing with it. And I was so excited to meet her co-host Kelly to hear how they're collaborating using their own experiences in terms of professional experience and motherhood experience to really put together something incredible for parents and educators in terms of what they offer for their services and through their podcast. So you're going to love this conversation. It's two friends talking about and me three friends, three friends talking about motherhood and mindfulness and all things that can be taken a little more lightly, but also things that can be tremendously deeply impactful at the same time when it comes to working with ourselves, our children, and if we're in the education space with our students um, around mindfulness, self-awareness, connection, and self-regulation. So listen in to hear Kelly and Christy share how their experiences as shameless moms raising six kids between the two of them led to their interest in and need for mindfulness practices, how Kelly's teen daughter's OCD led her to a meditation practice and inspired Kelly's work with kids and mindfulness, specific techniques that can be used across different developmental stages. This is so helpful. So no matter where you're at in parenting, this is going to help you out. (laughs) How to cue your kids into their body sensations before they get to a point of emotional dysregulation. This was a really helpful one for me who would do um, would benefit from like seeing big emotional things coming (laughs) and like helping my child recognize when things are starting to get to a place where they're heightened before you're actually in that completely heightened or overwhelming state. From there, we talk about the significance of modeling mindfulness to your kids. So it's not just about telling your kids to practice mindfulness, but maybe integrating it into your own life. And then we also talk about how educators can integrate mindfulness into their curriculum. Oh my goodness, so many good things here. I'm so excited for you to tune in, learn a few things, and really be able to bring some peace into your home, into your relationship with your child, and if you're in that space of education or serving other children into that space as well. So with all that said, go ahead and join me in welcoming Christy Fisher and Kelly Winkler to the Shameless Mom Academy. Kelly and Christy, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having us. We are thrilled to be here. So excited. Going to be so much fun. So I have Christy, who's over in the kind of greater Seattle area. And then we have Kelly, who's over in the New Jersey area. So, I mean, we're like representing across the country right now, which is going to be fun. (laughs) So I always like to give people context. I know Christy from 1 million years ago when we were personal trainers at the same gym. And we were just putting together the timeline that... We would have met in like 2004 when I first started out at the gym that she was working at. And I was newish as a trainer. And Christy at that point was, had been doing it for a while. And I wanted to not be a new trainer anymore because I felt very insecure about like being new in the field and also being new in a facility where like all the trainers knew each other was intimidating to me. And I remember my first day I went in and I taught. I did personal training and taught spin class. And I remember going in and I met Christy and she was so cute and fun and pepping her step. And I was like, I just want to be friends with her. And then I said, well, I teach spin classes. And she goes, oh, maybe you can sub my step classes sometimes. And I remember I was like, oh, oh my God, 
I was like, I don't know how to do choreography. And I was like, I want to be the person that can be like, yes, I'll do anything for you. But I was like, I can't do step class. I don't know how to. And I literally think I said, I don't know how to do the grapevine. And you were like, well, I mean, like I could probably teach you. I was like, no, like only bikes. (laughs) So that's where our relationship began. Did I teach you? Did you ever teach? No, I would not let you. I was like, hell no, I'm not doing choreography in front of myself, let alone in front of other people. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is outstanding. I don't remember that, but that is amazing. (laughs) So yes. And we, since then have had multiple iterations of our careers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Here we are today. And now you are doing work with kids and mindfulness and yoga and with Kelly And so we're going to be digging into all of that. So to kick us off, why don't you both tell us just a little bit about yourselves beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. And whoever wants to go first can just dive in. (laughs) Kelly, I'm going to let you dive in. All right. So thank you so much for having me. I, beyond my bio, I am really excited about continuing to really advocate for all kids to have access to mindfulness and yoga. And I'm really excited to forge collaborations with organizations and groups. Like we've been working with Head Start groups and we're starting to try and work with groups like the Boys and Girls Club, where we can really have access to kids who would maybe not normally have access to to yoga and mindfulness. So that's kind of really where my passion is lying right now. And it's fun because, you know, we teach people how to teach yoga to kids. So we, we run certification workshops and it's really nice. It's really fun to get people out there teaching yoga, you know, in a yoga studio or something like that. But what, what we're finding is that for us to be able to reach more kids, we really need to connect with educators. We need to connect with caregivers. We need to connect with these folks that are able to reach all the kids because, you know, as we all know, not everybody is going to be able to take their kid to a yoga studio for an after school yoga class. Not everybody knows about it or is going to be willing to do that. And so we know that if we can connect with with educators and caregivers that have access to all the kids, you know, during the day, then more kids can learn these things, can learn these skills that we both think are just critical. And I know for me, I've actually had a really interesting, you know, few years, I dove into exploring using art to practice mindfulness. So I do dot painting. I do mandala artwork. And so I've been able to kind of merge these two worlds of yoga and mindfulness and art. And so I've been able to work, you know, and do workshops for kids, but also for corporate groups too. I've I've done work with Amazon and doing, you know, mindfulness and dot painting with them. And then another uh, one of our educational services district down here in the peninsula, you know, working with them doing these creatively mindful classes. And so it's kind of, I've kind of been merging my two worlds, which has been really exciting. So I'm loving that. I love it. I love so many layers of what you both just spoke to in terms of serving kids and communities that maybe wouldn't otherwise have access to really helpful, supportive coping skills that come with yoga and mindfulness. And then also grownups need that too. (laughs) As it turns out, if you work at Amazon, you might need some art therapy. (laughs) There is no Um, doubt about that for sure. I love it. So you, between the two of you have six children, Kelly, your kids age uh, range in age from eight to 19, which is 
a fantastic range. You were saying before <laughs> yes. we hit record, like, and I gave you the virtual trophy for having a kid in <laughs> elementary school, middle school, high school, college. Like, I don't know if I've had another guest who gets that trophy. And I've interviewed a lot of people. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I know. And then Christy. <laughs> Wait, the honor. Is a 13. <laughs> I know. I know. And then Christy has a 13 and 15 year old. So can you talk a little bit about for each of you, your journey in motherhood and how it led you to the, and, and informed the work that you now get to do today? You know, I'm going to jump in here for a short bit and then I'm going to let Kelly jump in because I know Kelly's story and it's pretty powerful for me, Sarah, as you know, I come from the fitness industry and the fitness background and you know, I was always kind of one of these like, go, go, like, raw. you know, I'm teaching aerobics and doing spin and lifting the weights and doing all the things. And I felt like I was pretty, you know, <laughs> pretty fast paced and hardcore. I and was just going to say fast and loud. Fast and loud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. In fact, I, you same. know, I'm only four foot 11 and, and Sarah, you, you had made the comment. I didn't think you were that short. It's like, yeah, that's because I'm loud. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, that's, I don't know. Maybe that adds a couple inches. But I feel like for me, when I had kids, I immediately shifted gears and started focusing on kids' fitness and and wellness with kids. I started teaching healthy kids in the kitchen workshops and, you know, boot camp for kids. And I'd get these little four-year-olds in boot camps with these little mini dumbbells. It was so cute. And I had little teeny tiny battle ropes. Oh, it was the best. So I started doing a lot of that. And then I did a stint where I was teaching preschool and that's when I got certified to teach kids yoga. And so started incorporating that in. And so, you know, my kids really sort of allowed me to, I don't know, switch gears and to kind of dive into that whole world. And I haven't looked back. So yeah. And my journey, I started out when I first graduated college, I started out as a child life specialist. So I was working in a hospital setting with children who were chronically ill. And I did that for several years. And I I really loved that work. But when it came time that I was going to be ready to have my own children, I had to step away from that just because of the emotional toll that it, it takes. It's hard work and emotional work. So I ended up stepping away from that and becoming a classroom teacher. And then I had my kids and I was home for many years as a stay-at-home mom with them. And when my oldest daughter was 12 years old, we went through a really challenging time. Also, side note, you know, I've always been an anxious person ever since I was little. I, you know, I didn't know that's what it was because we didn't really talk about it then. But when my daughter was 12, she was also always an anxious child. Um, and it really spiked when she was in middle school and when she went through puberty and things just got to a level where she, for a short time, was unable to make it through a full day of school without having several panic attacks. And so it was really challenging. We got her in therapy right away. And we were trying to do all the things, the therapy and uh, acupuncture and anything that would help her to be able to function. Really, she wasn't able to function. Um, The anxiety levels were just so high. And her therapist recommended that she try a teen yoga class. And so we found one uh, locally at the gymnastics studio. And she absolutely fell in love with the practice. What she really fell in love with was meditation. She was having a lot of intrusive thoughts. That's how her anxiety was showing up. She was eventually diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And so the ability to meditate and to learn how she could 
get a handle over some of her thoughts that were popping up and that were so distressing to her. And then on top of that, the tools that she could use like breath work and moving her body to help to, you know, calm that anxiety down and regulate her nervous system. She just, she, it spoke to her. And so when I saw the power that it had for her, first of all, I started practicing, I had done yoga in the past um, in college and during my pregnancy, but never really stuck with it. But when she started practicing regularly, I said, okay, I'm going to practice too, so that I can practice with her. And I'm going to go on this journey with her, which um, as we were revealing all of this about her anxiety, of course, all of my things were coming up because that's what our kids are best at <laughs> showing us ourselves. Right. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so I started healing my own anxiety stuff mm. going, you know, and working through this process on my own as I was leading her through therapy. I mean, I was going to therapy with her and then I was kind of doing my own work on the side and I started my own yoga practice. And I was also teaching preschool at the time. And so I just started researching like, kids yoga. Like I never heard of it. I didn't know it was a thing, but if I had had it as a kid, if she had had it as a toddler, like maybe our trajectory would have been a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I found uh, kidding around yoga training that was going to be happening like 20 minutes from my house, like a month later. So I signed up right away and I just fell in love with the program. And that's kind of where my journey started. I started using it at home with my kids. My youngest at the time was only two years old And so I started using it at home with my own kids. I started using it in my classroom and I just saw such a powerful impact that I just kept following that passion and that journey. And eventually I ended up leaving the classroom. And now this is what I do full time. Oh my goodness. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. 
This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. I love how your daughter's story informed your work, but I also love how you were able to find yourself through that as well, because that's familiar as uh, it's familiar in my family. We've noticed some trends toward intergenerational anxiety. Um, and um, so it's something that I've dealt with since having my son, but again, to your point, Kelly, that I had, when I started talking about anxiety and therapy a couple of years ago, I remember I was like talking about the things that I just thought were like, Oh, those are just like my quirks. And Purpose was like, yeah, like that's anxiety. <laughs> yes. That, that, like other people don't have that. And not, and like, I'm like, oh, I've had this since like I was eight years old. Like I can really distinctly remember. And it was super eye opening. My son exhibits some similar symptoms. And then it's also been really interesting talking through some of this with my mom, who initially was like, hmm, funny, I don't have any of that. And I was like, mm, yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so she's it's like, we're all on our own journey. Like discovering totally. anxiety, <laughs> but it's been really, really interesting. And I will say that one of the things that's been really helpful is like, I was able to identify early in my twenties that while I didn't know I had anxiety, I knew that exercise for me was something that really helped me regulate emotion. And now I can very clearly pinpoint that like exercise helps me manage anxiety. Like now I know I can put all that together. It's been interesting as I've learned tools over the years how I've been able to help my son with a handful of things. And I'm no mindfulness expert by any means, but there's been some little things that we've done over the years where I'm like, again, I would just kind of started doing them because they worked for him and they were things that worked for me. But in talking with other parents now who have 10 year olds, I'm like, Oh, not everyone needs to do these things because not everyone has these symptoms, but then there are kids who a lot of kids who do have symptoms of emotional dysregulation and really little simple things can make a huge difference. But when we don't have this kind of widespread shared knowledge around it, we have a whole bunch of kids who are just walking around dysregulated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So- yeah. And even kids who don't have anxiety struggles, right. you know, you have yeah. the kids who have ADHD or you have the kids who listen, life is stressful, right? They're yep. going to go mm-hmm. through stressful times, you know, testing in school or whatever it might be, having to stand up and speak in front of, front of people or whatever situation along their life, kids are going to come across stressful situations, even if they don't struggle with anxiety, right? So these tools are incredible for somebody who does struggle with emotional regulation and anxiety, but they're so they work across the board. Yeah. Yeah. They work across Mm -hmm. the board. Can you Give a couple examples of, I would love to talk this through if you're okay with it, like in terms of a couple different age groups, some examples of mindfulness techniques that work. And the reason I'm asking specific to age groups is because I know the things that like, there's things I could suggest to my child when he was five that he'd be like, okay, I'll try that. And now he's 10 and he's like, no, 
(laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) And there's like not a thank you on the end. So the things that work at five aren't going to work at 10. The things that work at 10 probably aren't going to work at 13 and then at 17. So can we maybe talk through some developmental phases in terms of what works at different times for parents to share with their kids? So I will share a technique that we use. And I don't, I think this was created by Harris, the creator of Kidding Around Yoga. I'm not sure, but it has since I've seen it everywhere. I mean, I've seen videos of this everywhere, but this is actually a technique that can look different from developmental stage to developmental stage. But I have literally used this in my mommy and me classes with kiddos that are 18 months old and they're grownups. And I've used this in kids' classes. I've used this with teens and I've taught it to adults too. And it works. So it's very simply, you take your fingers and you tap your each finger to your thumb. So you tap your index finger to your thumb and you say, peace. You tap your middle finger to your thumb and say, begins. Your ring finger taps to your thumb and you say, with pinky to your thumb, you say me. So it's peace begins with me. And you repeat that a couple of times out loud. Then you whisper it, peace begins with me. And then you say it just in your head, but you continue tapping the fingers to the thumbs. So let me speak to the developmental stages as you introduce this. So with the little ones who don't have that dexterity and that fine motor skill is not there, they might simply just be bringing their fingers all together at the same time, right? Or maybe they're listening to their grown up that's repeating this, but it's that rhythmic sort of meditative thing that they can get into. And it's repeating that mantra over and over, right? It's mantra meditation. So they repeat that a few times. So that's when they're really little. As they get a little older, they can start beginning to bring those fingers to the thumb saying, peace begins with me. As they get you know, later on into their teen years, you know, you can use that phrase, peace begins with me. But then I always tell the kids as they get older, I'm like, listen, if there's another forward phrase you want to use, let's say you're about to take um, a test, you're about to take a math test and you're nervous about it. Guess what? I'm great at math, right? Or whatever Mm -hmm. mantra, whatever it is that you need to reinforce that you can repeat that over and over. I'm a kind friend. I am so loved you're still tapping the fingers to the thumbs. And that's an important piece because what you're doing there is you're giving the body something to do, right? By tapping the fingers, you're giving the mind something to hook into with that phrase, that repeated phrase over and over again, right? So it's going from all these collective thoughts that are swirling around in our heads down to that one singular phrase. And you're repeating that over and over. And then, you know, again, I've I've taught that to adults too. And when we do our professional development workshops and we give this tool to educators and we say, hey man, use this in your classrooms. The teachers come back and they're like, yes, I'm absolutely teaching that to my kids, but guess what? Peace begins with me. I'm using it too. So <laughs> they use it themselves a lot. And it's the same thing at home with, with, with parents, right? So that's a, that's a really great technique that's across the ages you can use and at various stages, modify it or, or change it up. Yeah. And I, I want to speak to a little bit about the developmental stages and with different techniques and tools. Also, well, first teaching when we're speaking for parents, you know, teaching parents, the tools like breath work early on, right. When they're brand new parents, when they have infants at home and their infant is having a hard time settling down, teaching parents to use deep breathing and an audible breath so that then the child can start to regulate it that themselves to the parents breath. So right away, breath work is a really powerful, even in the infant stage. But I also wanted to speak to as they, as kids get older, teaching them the science behind why these tools work is really powerful. So when you have your 10 year old is like, Oh, I don't want to do that. It's like for babies. That's too babyish to pretend to like, you know, blow out, you know, 
smell the flower and blow out your birthday candle, right? Like that seems like childish maybe once they get up into that tween stage, but teaching them why taking deep breaths and taking nice, slow exhale, why that is so relaxing for the body, how the science of that works, how we have a vagus nerve that when we take a long exhale, gets stimulated, then that sends a message to our brain that we're safe and we're secure and that we don't have to be in our fight or flight response and teaching them about their brain and how that works. Kids are fascinated by that. And it's really empowering for them to know that they can get a sense of control over their body, which a lot of kids feel a little bit out of control, especially if they suffer with anxiety or ADHD, right? They feel like they don't have control over their body. So there's that. And then using for the younger kids, using more imaginative way of and fun ways of going about it. So maybe they're practicing lion's breath, right? And so they're taking a big breath in and then they're letting out a big roar and getting really, yeah, getting really into it and and acting that out. Or like I said, smelling, pretending to smell, smell your hot chocolate and then let's blow it off to cool it, to cool the hot chocolate, just engaging that imaginative play when you're using the tools so that we're, we're coming at it from a childlike play way so that they feel engaged and want to do that. That's the thing. I think that's the most important thing, you know, with, with yoga, mindfulness techniques, meditation, all of this, a lot of people know about this stuff, but they can't necessarily bridge the gap between, you know, how it looks in an adult class versus what we do with kids. And they're like, well, geez, my, my kid isn't going to sit there still and meditate. You know, there's ways to do that. You come at it from an engaging, playful way. You know, we use songs, we use games, we use all sorts of imagery and, and these different things. And, and again, it's all dependent on their developmental stage. And we present it to them in a way that makes sense to them, right? And so, yeah, we're not going to take a kid through an hour-long adult yoga class where they're doing their vinyasa, right? So it's, it's presented in a way that makes sense to them. Oh my gosh. I love all that. The whole time you were talking, Christy, by the way, and I'm just, I'm like doing an audience check-in here. I just want to know like if anyone like me was tapping their fingers the whole time, like peace begins with me. Peace begins I, yeah. <laughs> I had them like in my lap and I was like, oh wait, is everyone listening right now? Like tapping their fingers. What I love about that, I love that that's such a great example of evolving a practice, something that can stick with a child for a really long time. We've done some breathing stuff with Vinny over the years that started off when he was like, three and couldn't really do like a long, like breathe in and long exhale to like start to regulate. But it was like me just showing him what I was hoping he would someday catch on to. But by the time he got to kindergarten and we were still having some separation stuff happening, we were like doing some like big full body breathing exercises in the middle of the playground before drop off many days of the week. And it was by then like this really valuable tool that he would come to me and say, mom, can we do deep breaths together? And so it's been interesting to watch progressions like that over time, that the things that like he, and your example with the fingers is so great. Like that when they don't have the dexterity to do like one finger at a time, they're just doing their whole hand, which is fine. And that was Vinny with breathing. Like he would sit on my lap and we would practice doing deep breathing. And I'm putting air quotes on it because when he was three, it wasn't deep breaths. It was like total hysteria, but it was at least him like sitting down for a minute to like take a pause while I took deep breaths. (laughs) Um, But then it definitely did evolve over time. I also think that what's been helpful to me over the years, and I'm curious your advice around this. So when you go into a classroom and you're talking to students who are sitting in a calm, safe, structured environment, their receptivity to things I would imagine would be pretty high. 
when you have a child who is at home and being highly reactive to something to be like, let's do some deep breaths. Sometimes is like the same as me. If I'm feeling super anxious about something and someone tells me to calm down, I just want to tell them to F off. Like they don't, I'm like, you (laughs) don't know, you can't cure me. And like, there's no amount of you telling me to calm down that is actually ever going to help me. (laughs) So when we're looking at kids who are actually in a reactive state versus like a really calm controlled state, what are your, I guess, what can we do so that we preload habits, I guess, that's it. that people can can use them when they need them. This is us trying to teach them because you can't teach them in the moment. You can't wait until the middle of the meltdown and be like, let's do some meditation. Yeah. Not going to happen. Not going to happen mid meltdown. (laughs) So that's exactly what we recommend is that preload, right? You're practicing these tools consistently day after day throughout your normal routine, wherever you can squeeze them in when they are calm and relaxed and feeling safe and secure so that when they're in that moment, and hopefully you can catch it before they're at the height of a meltdown, when they're in that starting to lose it and starting to get into that fight or flight mode, they're able to, their body is able to recall that muscle memory of how to take that deep breath. But also the key is really cueing them in to those body sensations that happen in the beginning when you're starting to get dysregulated. So starting to have them notice what happens to their body, you know, are you getting the butterflies in your belly? Are you, you know, do you find your fists are really tight before you're about to, you know, you're about to lose it and getting the kids to recognize those little body sensations that are giving us the clue that we need to take that deep breath. So it's like a twofold answer. You want to practice that as much as you can throughout your daily schedule. And we talk a lot about that. Um, we, we talk about like, just, you know, for teachers, you know, during any transition, you know, the kids come in, they walk through the door, they hang their backpacks up, they sit down at their desk, everybody take three deep breaths, and then we begin. And, you know, maybe after they come back from lunch, they're, you know, just work it into their schedule that they're using these tools throughout the day. So that also helps because for teachers, you know, you might have 25 kids in a classroom and you might not even realize if somebody's a little bit off or getting a little bit upset or dysregulated. But if you're using those tools throughout the day, you're giving constant opportunity for the kids to regulate. So it's the more they, and the more you, you know, the more you regulate your, your nervous system, the easier it becomes to regulate your nervous system. So it's like a, you know, a build up of just continuously offering the body the opportunity to regulate. Did that answer? And I'll jump in on that as well. Like, you know, this consistent practice throughout the course of the day, weaving it in and little small pieces, all of this so important. Here's the thing with yoga, right? So when you think about yoga, you you think about your body is doing a pose, right? What the poses are designed to do is the poses give feedback about the body, what the body is doing in space. So the poses elicit sensations, The sensations allow us to be in our body and experience what's happening. So we experience the sensations and we experience where our body is in space. We become more aware. And then we start to figure out what is it for me that is helpful to calm down? Because it's different for every kid, right? So for some kids, 
a deep breath is going to work. For another kid, you know, for some kids, they can sit quietly and do peace speakings with me. For another child, they might need more movement, right? So for if they're a more active child, maybe they need a walking meditation or they need you know, some other form of moving meditation, a sergeant salutation or something like that. But that's the thing with yoga is through the poses, you create sensation. Through sensation, you experience embodiment, right? And so that's how you can start figuring out how this stuff works for you. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I love the connection around explaining to the kids what's happening. What's the age range that you suggest you can start to like explain to your kids, like, this is why this helps you, or this is how this helps you kind of from that brain standpoint, because I think that this is again, Vinny being in like that 10 year old range. I think that he's in a time and we actually had some conversations about this maybe a year ago, starting to talk about things that like ways that your brain might be helping you feel a certain way or not helping you a certain way. And he was actually like really interested in that. And we got, we had a book on kids and anxiety and it was was actually like really, really helpful. And I didn't expect him to your point, Kelly, that kids like want to learn about it. Cause I kind of thought I was going to have to be like, let's sit down and read this book. And he was like, wait, what? Like, Oh, Oh, my, my brain does what? And it was, it was really helpful. I mean, it helped him connect a lot of dots and we were able to look back at like, historically like, Oh, remember, you know, a year ago when like this thing was happening, remember this, you kept doing that thing. And 
Oh, that was because, so, I mean, he was all in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but we start as, I mean, I start as young as preschool age explaining about the brain and we, I use, um, uh, are you uh, familiar with Dr. Dan Siegel? The name is slightly familiar, but okay. So he's written, yeah, he's written some great books. Um, uh, one that's awesome is called the whole brain child. Oh Um, yes. I have that. Okay. Okay. So he uses that hand brain model, which his is a little Mm -hmm. bit more complicated, but for the little kids, I just say, you know, you have your, this is what your brain looks like inside your head. And we have neighbors that live in the downstairs. And then we have neighbors that live in the upstairs and the downstairs neighbors are in charge of keeping us safe. They're kind of like the fire alarm in school. So when the fire alarm goes off in school, it sends a message for everybody to get out of the school. So these, the downstairs neighbors like to keep us safe, but sometimes the alarm goes off by accident and they get very loud and they, the upstairs neighbors leave the house because the downstairs neighbors are taking over and they get really loud. And the upstairs neighbors are in charge of us making really good decisions and being able to problem solve and to make good choices and all of that. So if our upstairs neighbors leave the house, we can't really think clearly and we can't really make good choices and make good decisions for ourselves, our body, and for the people around us. So then we talk about all the things that we can do in yoga to turn their alarm off and bring their upstairs neighbors back in. So we can do deep breathing. We can move our body. We can use meditation. We can use mindfulness practices and we can bring those upstairs neighbors back into the house so we can be good problem solvers and and that's how we really explain it to, to the littlest of kids. And then as they get, as that. they get a little older, they start becoming more interested. And then you can start talking about how that alarm system, that's called your amygdala. What a cool word, right? And then you're, yeah. this is the lower part of your brain. And for the, I know you're listening and this is not a visual thing, but you know, from the base of your hand down along your arm, that's your brainstem, everything else. And then as you bring your, your fingers over the top of your thumb, you tuck your t- thumb underneath, that's the amygdala. And then the fingers over the top, that represents the cortex, the prefrontal cortex. And that's what we want. Like that's our filter. That's what's going to help us make sense of these things that are going on. So when that prefrontal cortex is not integrated with the rest of our brain, you know, that's when things go offline. And so, you know, as Kelly explained, I mean, that's a beautiful way to explain it to the little ones, you know, you've got your upstairs and your downstairs neighbors, and that makes sense to them. But then as they start getting a little older, they might want to know what the parts of the brain are called, like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, and so I know about my brain, that's pretty neat, you know, and Mm -hmm. so it's a very, again, it's, it's, when you're teaching these things to kids, it becomes so empowering. And if I could share a story, I got to share the story about, I was teaching yoga in PE. I do that down here in the district that I'm in. And I kind of rotate through some of the elementary schools and I spend a week teaching yoga in PE. So every kid in the school has the opportunity to experience this. And I set up these stations where we're practicing yoga poses, we're practicing mindfulness and meditation techniques. You know, we do, we do all these things. And so I work with the PE teacher and we do this. So I was at a school last year and spent the week. And then at the end of the week, I got an email from a mom who I think she's actually a school counselor within the district, but she sent me a picture of her kiddo and her kiddo had gone to the dentist. It needed to get his teeth cleaned. And she said, my child has so much anxiety around the dentist. And she says, but when he got there and he was in the chair, 
he started doing peace begins with me. And in this picture she sent me, it's literally this child and he's in the dentist chair and he's holding his hands up and you can tell he's got his thumb and his finger together. And, you know, in the way that we do peace begins with me and his eyes are closed. And she said, he felt so empowered that he was able to, you know, manage his anxiety. And she says, and he taught that to the hygienist because he thought that she should be able to teach that to the other kids that came in that were scared, you know? So it's I a really it. powerful thing for them to understand, like, I have control over my body. I can manage this. And it's a pretty cool thing to see. Oh, I love that. I love this. As I think through life post COVID, especially with kids who I think have had so much uncertainty. And I think that we're like, just beginning to see the ramifications of that. Uh-huh. And to be able to give kids a sense of power and control when they have been in environments, even if parents, as I believe so many parents have done like everything to make it as stable and predictable as possible, but our children have survived some really weird, trying, tricky times. And to be able to give them these tools, I think is so important. I was talking to a caregiver recently, a medical professional who was saying, that so much of this, like we're seeing just really interesting, different things in kids right now because of stuff that played out in COVID. And even amongst the kids who really had like the least disruptions from COVID on a kind of a grand scale. So then if you think of the kids who had like the most disruptions from COVID, like no one is immune to having that sense of like, what's coming next. It all could fall apart. Mom and dad, parents are worried. Things are uncertain. There's just like tension in the air. Um, and so I think that that idea of empowerment is going to only be, become more significant as we kind of see like what it looks like for this generation of children to navigate in this world as kids who have survived something really wild that we're really still in, even though like the news tells us it's over. <laughs> Like the fallout's not. And I think too, it's important to realize, you know, and what we're saying, you know, these, these tools that we're, you know, that that we're teaching people to teach to their children, two things. Number one, so important for parents to be doing this themselves and setting this example for their kids and like practicing it together. So teachers, parents, and the children practicing together to, to really co-regulate. That's thing one. Thing two, you know, when you start practicing mindfulness yoga, it's it's not going to be always just this beautiful, blissful world, right? We know that bad things are going to continue to happen. Stressful things are going to happen. But how we respond to that, how we learn to cope with that and, and regulate, um, that, that's that's where these these tools come in. We learn to deal with the stuff that's coming at us over and over again, right? Yeah. I recently found myself like sneaking to meditate in my household. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just going to sneak and do this. And like, I'm not going to tell anyone because first of all, I didn't want anyone to like, know because then I would for sure be interrupted. But I was also like, I wasn't doing it super regularly. And I didn't want like, I didn't want any expectations that like, this is a thing mom does every day. I was like, I'm just like playing with this a little bit. It's like my secret because <laughs> I might only play with it for like three days and then be done with it. But <laughs> as, as I was doing it, one of the days my husband came upstairs. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm meditating. He's like, okay, cool, whatever. And then I was like, why am I not telling people in my household this? Like, this is very weird that I'm like making it like mommy's little secret. And I think that these are the things we do as primary caregivers, as overgivers and overachievers and perfectionists. We're like, we don't want to seem like we're taking from anyone else's time or energy. So I don't want to seem, I don't want to announce that I'm unavailable. I don't want to, like, I'm just going to sneak it in really carefully. And so I actually was like, oh, I need, they, they all need to know this. And so 
then the next day I was like, Vinny, I'm going to go meditate. Like he was downstairs doing something. I'm like, I'm going to go meditate. So when you talk about modeling, I think that like Vinny has seen me get up and work out every single morning of his life. First thing in the morning from the time that he can remember getting up in the morning. And my husband goes and works out almost every morning as well. And that's something that he just thinks people just do that. And so my hope is that like, he will have some sort and for his health. Yes. But also for his mental health more than anything, I hope that that's a skill that or a habit that he integrates for himself. But I'm like, why wouldn't I also be like, yeah. So every afternoon I go meditate for 10 minutes, (laughs) same thing. So that he can be like, oh, this is something that people do in the afternoon or whenever, like, this is something people do. They go into a different room away from everyone else. And they take care of themselves for a few minutes. They don't sneak and do it. It's not something like, yeah. So I think that modeling piece is really important. And sometimes I think moms miss the boat on that a little bit because we are hiding or we don't want to seem unavailable or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And the, the thing is that if we can switch our mindset around that, if we can understand that if we can take 10 minutes to meditate and maybe do some deep breathing, we can show up as the parent that we want to be way more easily than if we don't take that 10 minutes to do that practice, you know? And so we did actually a a study on with, uh, we worked with a lot of schools in West Virginia who got a big grant and we, I think we, what was it like 700 Mm -hmm. and something teachers we trained in West Virginia and teachers actually found that when they did these practices, they actually felt like they had more time in their classroom to get things done, even though they were taking time out of the day to do meditation and, and uh, movement and, and breath work, they were finding that they were actually accomplishing more and getting their lessons done quicker because they were, they were more regulated and able to show up as the teacher that, you know, in their, their best self and their students were able to show up as their best self. And so, you know, if we can change our mindset around that and realize that if we can take that time and and allow ourselves those few moments, it doesn't have to be long. We don't need to sit on a meditation cushion for 30 minutes, you know, just a few minutes a day mm-hmm. really can help us to show up as our best self. And, you know, we teach them too how to integrate this into their existing curriculum, into their existing lesson plans. So say, for example, you're teaching a math lesson and and uh, you're, you're teaching odds and evens or whatever, right? So you could do something as simple as, okay, I'm going to write this number on the board. If you think it's an even number, do star pose, stand up and do star pose. If you think it's an odd number, do tree pose. You know, so again, you're teaching the math, you're teaching the things, you're just able to integrate some of these other things. And this is all part of what we do in the, in the professional development workshop that we have is just teach teachers how to weave it into their existing curriculum so that, so that it supports, you know, their, their social emotional program that they're, that they're currently using. It's just a support to it. I love that. And to your point around using mindfulness for like regenerative purposes. (laughs) So my specific reason for meditating in the afternoon was because come four o'clock, I want to be done for the day. I want to be done being a person who has a job I want to be done being a mom. I want to go lay on the couch and watch Real Housewives. And as it turns out, my life is not set up in a way that allows me to watch Real Housewives at four o'clock every day. And so I was using this like little chunk of time so that I could refocus to then do like one more hour of work and then be a mom for the rest of the night. 
And it's like the thing that restores my energy. And I was like playing with it to see like, will this work? Or will I just want to go to sleep? And <laughs> I kind of do just want to go to sleep while I'm right. doing it. But then after I'm like, okay, I actually like, I have a bit of a second win now. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So yes, using it, using techniques specifically for the purpose of being regenerative with your energy. And then I love the point that you made Kelly, that then like you're actually getting more done and being more productive or like doing, like getting through this stuff in a more efficient yeah. way because you have re-regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Oh my goodness. We're already at time. So <laughs> tell folks how they can work with kidding around yoga, what the way that you offer services and work with caregivers and educators, et cetera. Yeah. So we've got a couple of routes. We do certifications for people that are interested in becoming a kids yoga teacher, a certified kids yoga teacher. And those are a little bit more um, extensive. Uh, we have an online version of our training, and then we have in-person versions of our training. And then we also have our professional development workshop, and we call it EduK, K-K-A-Y, kidding around yoga. So we call it EduK, and that's a six-hour PD. And we've done it in person. We've done it virtually. We've done it. And we also can take and customize it to meet the needs of the particular school, you know, the age group of the kids and this sort of thing. We also have smaller workshops that we can do. So it's really kind of, um, we can custom make a program to meet the needs of the group that we're working with. What am I missing, Cal? Anything? So, yeah. So they can find all that information at kiddingaroundyoga.com. And we are on all the socials as Kidding Around Yoga on Instagram and Facebook. And then Christy and I have a podcast called Mindful Conversations with Kay. And so you can hear us every Monday. We release a little mindful moment, which is just like a five-minute little. um, Not even five. It's like two minutes. It's so small. (laughs) Tiny little And then on Thursday, we release our full episodes, which is sometimes just Christy and I, and sometimes we have on guests, but we are diving into all things kids, yoga, and mindfulness. I love it so much. Okay. So we got lots of tips in here in terms of the importance of mindfulness work and some specific things that parents can do. I also want parents to think about how they can maybe suggest to their schools and communities to bring kidding around yoga into their curriculum and provide this is, I know that this is something our school has been really been working on in the last couple of years, and it has been such a game changer and such a gift for just the whole school culture and the feeling of school community and the social emotional learning that is now taking place in our school community. So for parents who are like, this sounds amazing, go ahead and reach out and connect with Chris and Kelly through these links, because then you can get in conversation about how your school might be able to be served with this work. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Christy Fisher, Kelly Winkler, all the links will be right there. Oh my goodness. I need in one sentence from each of you, how you're both showing up as a shameless mom. One sentence. (laughs) One sentence. I think, I think consistency, Mm. being consistent with, you know, our own practices, being consistent with sharing this information. Um, that's what I got. All right. And mine, I'm going to say, uh, is showing up as an advocate, as an advocate for my own kids and standing, you know, standing in my own truth for what my kids need, um, as far as academics or anything, and then showing up as an advocate for, for every child, as much as I possibly can in the work that I'm doing. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much. Christine and Kelly for being here. This was so fun. So informative. I so appreciate what you're doing. And I feel like everyone got to walk away with like a new little tool in their belt, which always is, I think so significant. 
Thank you so much for for having us. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.